I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The disciples ask a reasonable question. Where there are no springs, no wells, no lakes, no aquifers, there can be no grain. And without grain, there is no bread. The wilderness is usually abandoned, rather for places that at least see the early and spring rains. How can one satisfy these people with bread here in this desolate place? The question sounds legitimate, but it's actually the most profound statement of unbelief. Did God feed his people with manna for 40 years in the Sinai Peninsula in that desolate place? How could they forget? Did God provide for the flour and the oil never to run out for his prophet Elijah, the widow, and her son there in Zarephath during a time of famine? Or even just a little while ago, Jesus had miraculously fed 5,000 in like manner. Their question is a confession, a confession of sinful doubt that God has promised and truly gives daily bread. But more than that, as is usually the case, they don't even understand who he is. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is the goodness and mercy of God the Father revealed to starving people. Christ is the gracious, merciful giver who is eager to help and come alongside everyone and care for them. This multitude from the east and the west, from the north and the south, have come out to him. They are eager to go to him, to follow him, and to listen and do what he says. Wherever Jesus was, these multitudes, these unlikely multitudes, go with him, whether up to the mountain out into the wilderness, or even over the sea. They would follow him. The multitude is quite unlike the disciples. This multitude was not dissuaded when the path got rough, or the climb difficult, or the sea perilous. They are hungry, but their hunger is for far more than just physical bread. And their hunger, they believe, can only be satisfied as Jesus gives it. So they're not worried about earthly bread, but they are monomaniacally focused on the one thing needful, and that's Jesus. On the other hand, there is a whole other crowd that are missing in the story today, the unspoken group. That is, the great, the mighty, and the rich who seem to have the luxury to just stay home, to stay safe, to stay secure. Apart from Jesus and apart from where he leads, 
and especially apart from the food that he feeds with. They think they have no need of Jesus, and they're not there at all, because all their creature comforts are met. Brethren, the majority of those who consider themselves Christian, even the majority of those who have associated themselves with this congregation, also infrequently or never even gather at the feet of Jesus in the divine service to hear him, receive him, and be forgiven by him. Where are they today? Of course, it's easy to point the finger. Are we any different? Aren't we all a soft, lazy, and really extremely wealthy people? With the rare exception of our nonagenarians, the 90-somethings, and maybe a few others, none of us have known true poverty or loss of home Very few of us have even heard of hunger so great because food is rationed, or even economic depression, where farms are lost, homes are forfeited, and the like. Because we are soft and lazy, and ultimately extremely wealthy, we don't need Jesus, or so we think, and that's because, like with the 5,000, so with the group that absented themselves with the 4,000, they think of Jesus like really a bread king, a king who comes to fill our hungry bellies, or perhaps as a therapist who fills our heads with nice thoughts. He's there to comfort us, to make rather us comfortable. But if we're already comfortable, why do we need him then? And so we make an idol out of our comfortable life, we'll eat to excess and even to personal harm, we'll drug ourselves into apathy and neglect, we'll allow our minds to be programmed with falsehood using media, we give our children over to indoctrinating propaganda, we even fail to bring them to the divine service received from Jesus, the only thing that's going to keep them Christian. We live as if we mattered most and faith toward God and love toward neighbor be damned. Again, it's easy to point the finger at those who aren't here today, who are enjoying, I'm sure, a beautiful summer morning, maybe sleeping in or on the lake or at the cabin. But are we any different from the unwashed masses or even those who once were washed and now have no care for Jesus? Given the means, the motive, and the opportunity, you're just as likely to absent yourself from listening to Jesus and receiving his gifts. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the reality of living in the sinful flesh. Again, if we're going to take the Bible seriously then, the fact that you've showed up today for divine service is itself a miracle, especially on such a nice day. Even if you are of the habit of following the Lord's command and keeping the Sabbath holy, don't underestimate the inclination of your heart, your own capacity to walk away from Jesus. Even if you're like those disciples whose vocation and discipline is to remain with Jesus, you know, like a pastor or a teacher who has to show up, in the end, According to the flesh, you're just as unbelieving. 
Even his most loyal followers all but abandoned Jesus when the path led to a place that they didn't want to go, to Golgotha, to his cross and his death. Your unbelieving heart is evident by the fact that you've been with him so long and you still don't believe that he's going to take care of you. And if you think that's bad today with talks of recession or depression, just wait until tomorrow or maybe next week or next month or next year or even farther out. Are you going to stay with Jesus wherever he takes you? Even if it means difficulty, suffering? Are you going to go with Jesus through the next cultural revolution or the next pandemic or the next economic collapse? How long do you think you'll get to continue with your comfortable life as in living the American dream? Or perhaps, as God has done and as the scriptures testify, when the people become comfortable, he takes that God of comfort away from them. Problem is, when we're so comfortable, we become apathetic to the word, to prayer, to this fellowship, to our liturgy, to the offerings, and to the needs of charity around us. So Jesus is here today doing what he has a way of doing, toppling our idols, casting out our demons, turning over the money changers' tables. He may lead you in the days to come into a life that only a few of us have ever known or experienced. A life of profound need, distress, want, or lack. Will you follow him where he goes? Even if he takes you into the proverbial storm-tossed sea or onto the wind-swept mountain, or out into the wastelands, the desolate places. And if you do stick with him, will you remain attentive to his word and live trusting that he will provide for you even in those places with that promise of daily bread? Or will you instead complain and whine about how much things better were before, or just simply state your doubt, how can you satisfy your people here with bread? in this wilderness. Well, you probably will do all of those things. And the good news, of course, is that Jesus never stops putting up with you, with your doubt and your unbelief, your unwillingness to go wherever he leads. He'll keep calling you to join him, whether it is to the sea or the mountain or into the desert places, or even if it is your hour into the green pastures and by the still waters. He'll keep gathering you together with other poor sinners in need of his mercy. He'll keep speaking to you his word that gives faith, life, salvation, and peace. And he never stops shepherding his flock, even as they wander and find themselves far outside his fold. Of course, he also never has and never will neglect to care for your body also. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. 
They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Jesus today calls you into his multitude, into the church. Here he has compassion on you and feeds you with his bread, bread from heaven, his holy word. And by his word preached, and through the Spirit given to you in your baptism, he is about changing your heart. Your confession now is not, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in this wilderness? Now he gives you to say, my God, I am your creature. You made me, and since that is true, you will care for me. I will simply work and attend to my vocations and leave to you my worries. I will make use of all that you have given me and be faithful in what you have entrusted to me. I believe you will provide for my needs where and when it most pleases you and as it benefits me. And in every circumstance, I will follow you where you lead and I will not cease to listen, pray, and gather to hear you even if it means I have to lose everything. May God grant such faith in your hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.